aren't you glad he loves you? <clears throat> That's good, amen? Well, let me give you just a couple things. So we're going to have the guys, I'll tell you what, I need a couple guys to drop this to the front again, and then we're going to go from there. Um, <clears throat> make sure uh, we, you know, spend a lot of time putting visits together and things like that for Saturday Soul Winning. I want to encourage you and ask you to help us with that. Uh, we've handed out at least uh, uh, 15, is this working? Is this working, brother? Okay. <clears throat> 15, at least 15, because uh, I want everybody to hear this really well. Uh, 15 packets of visits, basically, okay? Or cards, and then they usually have three to four or five names on them, whatever. Um, we've gotten uh, <clears throat> eight of the 15 back. There are still seven that are out, okay? So I really need those. I keep track of that stuff. Um, I put them together. It takes me hours to do this, okay, folks? It does. So I'd really appreciate if you get those back to me, uh, hand them in to one of the staff. I don't care what you do with them, but get them to us. That way I can keep track of it. I have to go back through those, reissue some of them, things like that. So if you could help me with that, that'd be good. Um, If I don't, then I have to reissue those same cards back out, and somebody's going to be making the same exact visit you just made, okay? So if you lost it, then be, be willing to come tell us that. Just say, hey, you handed me one. I don't even know which one it was. I lost it. I don't even know what I did with it. At least we'll know that that's one more that we, you know, we know where it was at least, okay? And we'll know, you know, never trust you again. But anyway, <clears throat> we'll, we'll give you another shot. Trust me. We don't have enough people running out already. We can always try. We'll give you one more shot. Okay, but anyway, uh, so we'll do that. Um, <clears throat> Brother Joaquin's going to be doing the Go Rally this week. So if you're not uh, going to the couples uh, retreat, Plan on being a part of that. You know, uh, come on out Saturday, 9.30. There'll be visits here. There'll be uh, door-knocking routes, whatever's necessary, whatever you need. And he'll be taking care of that. I guess he'll be sharing and uh, giving the, the challenge that morning. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that as well, okay? So 9.30 Saturday. I think that's about it. Uh, and, again, that dinner series is important. I trust you'll be involved in it, get plugged in, get your tickets, and we'll go from there, okay? All right, let me see here. I'm looking for my uh, – I might have, maybe it's in here. I don't know. Maybe not. Do you guys have it back there, the clicker, or is it up here? All right. <clears throat> oh, good. They've got it. Great. All right. That's the one thing we don't want to come up missing, right, is that. All right. piece of paper is one thing, but this baby right here, you know. All right. Let's go ahead and get started. Fellas, we're in our series now on Wednesday nights. We're a little bit different on Wednesdays. We've been doing our uh, great uh, <clears throat> miscalculations uh, and uh, mistakes. Great miscalculations and mistakes. It's rooted out of Romans chapter 15, verse 4. We read it every week whenever we do our series here. But for, whosoever, for whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Again, we, we, we always start off this way. Uh, you know, there's two ways to learn. You can learn the hard way or you can learn from others. And, uh, you know, the Word of God makes it very clear we can learn from others. He's trying to save us a lot of hurt and heartache. And so over the past weeks, we've been trying to learn from others. And as we've, we've been going along, we've, we've talked about Eve and Cain and Lot and Abraham. We noticed how Aaron uh, miscalculated how quickly he could get away from God and made the mistake of turning to idols. Korah, Moses, Samson, Israel. Uh, a number of times with Israel, we see Jephthah. He made the mistake of speaking before he thought. It cost him a great deal, so you need to think before you speak. We talked about Rehoboam's mistake that, uh, that he didn't respect the experience of the old men and exhibited contempt for them in their counsel. We said that Jehoshaphat's great mistake was joining with the wicked. He made a big mistake there, really messed up. Israel's great mistake, as we noted just last week, was forgetting God and his works. 
Can't forget God and His works. And so we're trying to learn some principles. We're trying to learn some basic truths in the Word of God. And, and nothing, nothing real deep, nothing real heavy, nothing that, that we can't you know, wrap our mind around, but things that we need to be reminded of and maybe even taught for the first time in our life. I don't know. But tonight, we want to talk about Jonah. We want to look at Jonah for just a minute. We're going to learn a principle from Jonah and his life. And so we're going to be reading, first of all, out of Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 through 6, and then we'll continue from there and see what we can't learn from Jonah. And so anyway, let's consider Jonah tonight for just a few moments, and then we'll dismiss and get home and, I don't know, relax for a change maybe. I don't know. The weather's boy, shaped up pretty nice. It was snowing on the way back in, so we'll probably have about six or eight more inches by the time we get out there. But no worries, right? We won't really. I don't think so. But nonetheless, we'll be all right, okay? Let's have that word of prayer. Father, we come to you. Lord, we thank you again for another evening. And Father, for just the pleasure and privilege it is to gather in your house. Thank you for your people that have made their way here. I know, Lord, that uh, it was kind of scary this morning for some, I'm sure, seeing that snowfall. And I'm sure that uh, this kind of weather does. It strikes fear in the hearts of others. And we just pray, dear God, you just be with each. And we're glad for the ones that are here tonight. And we just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts. And Lord, uh, there may be others watching along the way on the web and all that good stuff, but we just pray that, Father, their hearts would be encouraged and blessed as well. And uh, Lord, we just ask that you would just uh, meet our needs. And Father, help us to be found faithful to you tonight. Lord, uh, may we listen intently and may we allow our hearts, Father, to be stirred by your word and your spirit. Oh, we're desperate for your touch tonight. Meet our needs. And may we learn from Jonah. May we learn from his mistakes and miscalculations so that we don't have to make the same ones. Well, thank you in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> Brother Mike, if you're watching, it's good to see you. All right? <laughs> Brother Mike didn't miss any service. He missed a half of one service. He made sure he was watching. He was getting the services even after, right after surgery. He was upset. He said, did I miss anything? And he had missed about half of it, I guess. He wasn't happy. All right? So anyway, Jonah, chapter 1. Who's there in their Bible that will read it out loud for us? Yeah, would you please, Brother? <clears throat> now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amity, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it, to go with them into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the, the wares that were in the ship into the sea, to lighten of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, what meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, so be that God will think upon us, that we may not, that we perish not. One of the great passages in the Word of God. Thank you, brother. One of the great passages. I mean, let's face it. Uh, if you've been in Sunday school any length of time, this is one of those stories or one of the accounts that you just you just thrilled over. I mean, the thought of a, uh, a big fish, you know, and it's called a whale elsewhere in the Bible, coming along and swallowing up a man and carrying a man for three days and three nights in its belly. Uh, that's just amazing, you know, and we can only imagine what he looked like when it was all said and done, right? 
Uh, you know, that, that's, that's, he'd definitely need a shower after that, I think. But uh, the Bible tells us that literally uh, uh, he took this journey that should have taken three days and made it in a one-day journey. He was, he was pretty motivated when he got finished with that whale, amen? But uh, Jonah, one of the great, great all-time accounts in the Word of God. So what, what can we do here today? First of all, we note the call in the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. We noted it said, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. We know that he was told to go to Nineveh. And Nineveh was a great city. Of course, it was a city of Assyria. It was their enemy. And uh, Jonah wasn't really that, uh, that, that keen on going over there. Uh, he wasn't that excited about ministering to those people. Of course, God is saying, you know, speak against it, you know, rise up against it, uh, cry against it, for the wickedness has come up before me. God had gotten word, you know. I mean, he'd, he firsthand, he knew what was going on. By the way, God always knows what's going on in our cities, and he knows what's going on in our hearts even. But nonetheless, he found out he knows what's happening. And so he's going to send uh, Jonah there. And Jonah's not real happy, like I said, because this is the enemy. And, and in his mind, he knows his God. I mean, he's going, you know what, I know my God, and I know how he is. And if I preach against that city, and they turn their heart to God, then he, he'll probably be merciful, and he won't murder and destroy them. And I want them all dead. You know, that's how it used to be in America when we had enemies. Now nobody's our enemy, right? You know, everybody's our friend, and even if they do blow up our buildings, we're supposed to love them, and we can't go out and attack and take care of our business. I, you say that's political, whatever, you do whatever you want. But all I know is, is then in this book, you know, I, I still believe that we have a right to protect our country. I still have, we have a right to protect our persons. I don't think somebody should be able to break in my house and hurt my family. I, I, don't, I don't see that in the Bible. But anyway, uh, you know what, if I, you know, if somebody gets mad about that, too bad, but you have your opinion, I can have mine. But the, the fact is, is that, is that Jonah here, he's not happy. He don't like it. Now, I can understand Jonah. I can understand why Jonah's upset. The Assyrians had, had come in and destroyed the, the people of uh, Israel. They had taken them captive. They had pillaged, raped, and looted the cities. Man, these, these memories go back. I mean, this, this is history now. And that's something that was, is hard on him. And it's easy for us to go, what's his problem? Why wouldn't he just do what God wanted him to do right off the bat? I can understand why he's struggling with this. I can but it doesn't make it right. We're going to see that it's a problem for him. The call. He's given a call. Listen, he's supposed to be a man of God. Now listen, don't look at Jonah. Don't look at Jonah and point a finger at Jonah before you look at yourself. We've got to be careful with that. You know, it's easy for us to look at Jonah and say God called him. He should have been a man enough and a, a godly enough to do what he was called to do. When's the last time you knew God wanted you to pass a track out? You say, but, but it's different. It's not like, you know, getting called to the ministry. Yeah, it is. Same exact thing. It's the exact same thing. I mean, we're, we're, we've even got his position. How many times maybe God told you to invite somebody to church? A family member, maybe. A friend. And you're like, mm, I don't think so. You just disregard the call of God. Yeah, but they, they were not in a good mood that day. Oh, yeah, he had to face an enemy. I'm just saying, let's be a little bit, let's, let's try to consider a little bit. Now, now, again, we're not going to justify what he did. We're not trying to condone it. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But before it's over with, let's look at our own life a little bit. It's easy to look at the sins of others and find them the fault. But boy, I tell you what, there's a lot we can learn from this too. First, the call. Second, the contest. Jonah verse 1 verse 3 says, But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. What we see is a contest taking place. What contest? It's between God and Jonah. 
There's this contest. God had said, I want you to go there to this great city. But he says, what are you talking about? I don't want to go, God. There's a battle that starts. It's the will of Jonah against the will of God. Again, that battle rages in our life and in our heart every single day of our life. I mean, this is right where we live right now. When we fight with God, just like Jonah, we lose. You never win when you battle with God. I never win when I battle with God. That doesn't keep me from battling, though, sometimes. How ridiculous is that? Doesn't that seem ridiculous? And yet we do, if we're not careful, we find ourselves battling with God. Are you sure, God, really? You want me to do that? I can't imagine that. That doesn't seem right. You know what, God, maybe I misunderstood what you said. Maybe when I went to the altar and made that commitment, maybe it was emotional. Maybe it really wasn't your Holy Spirit drawing me. Maybe I... you got a battle going, and guess what? You're going to lose in the end. You don't battle with God. You, you just don't fight with God and win. You lose, and so do I. So we see Jonah. He's losing right there. He's getting thrown off the ship. <clears throat> the, commu- oh, the communication, the message... Jonah in chapter 3, of course, we said, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and preach unto it the, the preaching that I bid thee. Again, God had a message for him to preach. He said, I want you to preach what I want you to preach. Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's a pretty strong message, isn't it? you got forty days, and after forty days, it's over. You're done. You're finished. That's a message right there. That's some real communication. You know, so that, that's what God wanted him to do, though. So, so there goes Jonah. He's in the city and he's letting everybody know. Forty days, God's wrath is going to be poured out on your city. Jonah's great mistake, what was it? It was that he ran from God and he miscalculated God's reach. He honestly thought he could get away from God. He thought he could run from God. And yet we know uh, that, that that's impossible. At least we know it here. But sometimes we forget it here. Well, I'll tell you what, we've got to realize that Jonah made a mistake. Well, let's not make the same mistake. He ran from God, and he miscalculated God's reach. <clears throat> so, what do we learn from this then? Let's just consider a couple things that we can learn. First of all, when we run from God, we are always headed down. Whenever you run from God, you're always headed down. Again, in Jonah chapter 1, verse 3, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down. He went down. Listen, anytime we run from God, we're going to go down too. You're never elevating. You're never rising. You're always spiraling downward. That's just the way it is. See, Jonah wrote a book, see? How to run from God. You like that? You say, that's a dumb book. We probably ought to read it because a lot of times we find ourselves doing it, don't we? You know, I'm not trying to be... But, you know, we all act all like we know we never do these things, right? But let's just be honest. We do. You know? I mean, you get a guy, he's, he's after a girl, and he, he just disregards the whole issue of separation, and he decides it doesn't matter whether she's Christian or not, doesn't matter if she's faithful or not, doesn't matter if she's as sold out as he is or not. I mean, at least if she looks pretty and she goes to church, that's good enough, that's fine. What's he doing? He's really running from God. He's more, more concerned about having a girlfriend than he is about drawing nigh to God. Isn't that really what the bottom line is? You know, so we understand these things. We do these things all the time. We don't, we don't consider it that way. You know, we compromise our 
position on some issues because we want to fit in with our friends. So we talk and act as though we kind of agree with them, even though really down deep we know the Bible's against it. God doesn't approve of it. You know, in a sense, that's the same basic principle. So we're kind of getting away from God. We've we got to be careful. When God calls us to stand, as he does over in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, then when we turn around and turn, turn and run, we're doing the same thing Jonah did. Jonah's believed to have been born in a city called Geth Hefer, just five miles from Nazareth. He's called by God to go northeast to Nineveh. Now, you'll notice the map here. Of course, he's, he's told to go to Nineveh all up over here. He ends up going to Joppa, of course, and he tries to find a, a ship of, uh, to, to, to leave, to go ultimately to a place called Tarshish. Tarshish, as we know, is kind of a, a, a popular place in the Bible. It has something to do with Paul. Remember Paul of Tarshish? And so that's kind of an interesting thing. But nonetheless, he, he, instead he heads southwest to Joppa. So there he goes to Joppa down there. And uh, th- that means literally now, literally now, he's going opposite from Nineveh because Here's Tarshish over here. It's literally directly opposite of the direction. He should have went, you know, he should have went east. He goes west. West, by the way, Tarshish is 2,700 miles away from the destination God had for him in Nineveh. Can you imagine that? 2,700 miles. It's 2,697 or something like that. Can you imagine that? Now think about that in Bible days. Okay, we, you're going to take a trip in a car right now, 2,700 miles, say, to California. How long is that going to take you? That's a long trip in a car, right? We'd say, I don't want to take a car in it. I want to fly, right? You imagine how long it would take him to travel to Tarshish? How far away that would literally be? How many weeks, maybe months of travel that would be to get where he was going instead of going where God wanted him? Think about how badly he wanted to get away from the will of God. To go that far. Well, we know he never got that far. We know that for sure. And by the way, when we rebel and disobey God, we too are headed down, just like him. We're going the wrong direction. It's a mess. The moment we leave the presence of God, the moment we make our decisions and, uh, outside of the will of God, the plan of God, and purpose of God for our life, we are headed in the wrong direction. We're headed down. And that's true with him. It's true with us too. Number two, what else do we learn? When we run from God, we'll always find ourselves in the midst of a storm and ultimately in the belly of a whale. Now, maybe not literally in the belly of a whale. All right? Some of us are developing bellies of whales. But we aren't going to end up in one. You didn't think that was too good, did you? Okay, but anyway. So when we run from God, we'll always always find ourselves in the midst of a storm and ultimately in the belly of a whale. Jonah 1.4 says, But the Lord sent a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. That that sounds like a pretty bad storm. They're, They're concerned that the ship's going to be cracked or broken in two. That's a violent storm, to say the least. Um, he goes on to say in Jonah 1.17, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. You know, there's a number of Bible critics. They don't want to believe the Word of God, so what do they do? They discredit stories like this. They say that it's, uh, it's technically impossible. It's uh, medically impossible. There's no way in the world a man uh, or woman or anybody else could live inside the belly of a whale for three days, three nights. It's just not going to happen. And, you know, they dismiss it. They try to discredit it. But the fact is that the Bible is the Bible, and the Bible says, Thou sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. You believe the word of God, then you have to believe that Jonah was swallowed up by a big fish. You just have to believe it, because that's what the Bible says. 
I mean, if you don't believe that, then what else do you have to question? Well, you question do you question the, the, the height of Goliath now? Now they're trying to say that Goliath was really only seven feet six. He, he wasn't nine foot nine or ten foot six. It, he was simply just that, that the cubit that was used was a lot less than it is than they used to think it was and all of that mess. I'll tell you what, that giant was a little bigger than seven foot six. A little bigger than Shaquille O'Neal, you know what I mean? What part of the Bible do we throw out? If we don't believe Jonah, the story of Jonah, do we dismiss the walls of Jericho that fell flat? Do we say that really it never really happened the way it did? Do we, do we say that the sun did not go backwards for just a short time in, in the, the days of uh, what Joshua, I believe it was? I mean, what part of the Bible? Maybe the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We might as well dismiss that, right? Well, then we might as well get rid of eternal uh, salvation. We've been saved eternally. Well, let's throw it out because then again, we just don't know if it really happened or not. Let me tell you, Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, even as Jesus Christ spent three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. And let me tell you, he came out of that whale just like Jesus came out alive, okay? Now, running from God leaves us captive and in bondage. It always does. Listen, if you were in a belly of a whale tonight, you would feel a little confined. It wouldn't be a very comfortable place, would it? You'd feel pretty confined. And you know what? No matter how hard you tried, I can only imagine that he was probably trying to, you know, tickle his vocal cords and stuff to get him to kind of, uh, you know, get him out of there and all. But it didn't work. There was no way. He's not getting out. He was captive. That's all there is to it. And he was in bondage. In John chapter 8, verse 34, the Bible says, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. You know what we see? Is that we put ourselves in bad spots. We allow ourselves to be held captive. We become servants to sin. Jonah made a bad decision. He decided to battle with God. He decided to war with God. He said, I want my will to be done, not thy will to be done. The moment he did that, he found himself in a mess. Running from God left him in captivity and in bondage. And that's true in all of our lives. Okay, we're saved. We're on our way to heaven. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll contend that. But that doesn't mean that we can't be held captive. That doesn't mean that our hands and our feet cannot be bound by sin. That doesn't mean that we, can, we, we can't necessarily be held captive by Satan and useless to God. There, there, there's nothing that says that can't happen. That's a decision we make. We are already free indeed. The question is, will we allow ourselves to live a life of freedom or will we, allow our, or will we permit ourselves to live a life of bondage and enslavement? Jonah, he chose the wrong path to travel. You always end up in a bad spot when you run from God. Now listen, the next time you think you have it so bad with God, I I want you to imagine what it would be like without Him. Okay, you you know what I'm saying? Now, I don't think we think like that too often. You know, most of the time we look at our circumstance and all we see is where we're at and what's going on in our life. And and, and a lot of times, let's just be honest, you know, we used to tease, you know, around, you know, you know, and then some teenager or some young person, um, some young person uh, uh, does something and we say, oh, you know what I'm doing, don't you? That's my little violin, I'm playing it for you. You know, oh, you know, my heart's breaking for you, you know. We feel sorry for ourselves a lot of times. Let's be honest, we do. You know, everybody falls into that category. Husbands feel sorry for themselves because they feel their wives neglect them. Wives feel sorry for themselves because they feel their husbands don't care. You know, I'm upset because they don't talk to me like I want them to. And, you know, he never wants to, you know, even when he has a chance to be home, he wants to go out golfing with the buddies and all that stuff. And we feel sorry for ourselves. 
Instead of fixing problems, instead of addressing them head on, instead of dealing with them as we should and going to the, 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 the couple's retreat like we ought to, we, we just cry about it. Because we like to feel sorry for ourselves. We enjoy it. Pity parties are wonderful. They don't help anything, but sometimes we, we seem to enjoy them. Teenagers whine and cry because they're not allowed to spend the night at their friend's house because their parents say it's not a good thing for you to spend the night over there. Wait, I don't know what you're going to be involved in. I don't know what you'd be watching. I don't know who's really going to be over there. I don't trust people. I'm afraid for your safety. Well, they get on Facebook or get with their friends or they call them and they do <laughs> pity parties. They like it. They're Christians, saved, on the way to heaven, have the indwelling presence of Jesus Christ in our life. We're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. We can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth us. Greater is He that's in us than He that's in the world. And yet when it's all said and done, no matter how much we have God in our life, sometimes we like it. The next time you think you have it so bad with God around, imagine what it would be like without Him. Mark chapter 4, verse 37 through 39 says, And there arose great storm, a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. Of course, Jesus Christ sent his disciples out. He's in the ship, as we'll see here in a moment, a little bit like Jonah, asleep. And uh, he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, I wonder if that pillow is a rock. And we always say he never had a pillow. He's a rock for a pillow and all that. John, what do you think? You're going to be the Bible college student. You should know these things. So anyway, <clears throat> he's asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? He arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. See, that's what Christ offers us. You know, we complain about what's going on in our life. We complain about what's taking place in our marriages. We worry about what's happening here and there. But think about what it would be like if we didn't have Him to stand at some point in our life and say, Peace be still. We can't afford to run from God. We can't afford to do that. As bad as it may seem with God in our life, it only gets worse without Him. Don't ever forget that. And Jonah, he thought it was a mess. Oh man, God's asking me to go over here to Nineveh. God wants me to preach to the very enemy that destroyed my family, my friends, my, 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 the, the, the people of God. And, and this is a mess. And I don't appreciate it. And I don't like it. And I don't, I don't want to do it. Man, I'll tell you what, it only got worse when he ran from God. It didn't get better. It got worse. And that's true in all of our lives. <clears throat> Number three. When we run from God, we'll find it easy to sleep while the world perishes. Jonah chapter 1 verse 6. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper, arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. Hey, Jonah's over there sleeping, this storm hits. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a boat breaker. I mean, I would have said a backbreaker, but he was in a boat. It was a backbreaker, a boat breaker. Excuse me. Get all mixed up. It was a real problem. Jonah's no, Jonah, he's running from God. You'd think his conscience would be bothering him. Not Jonah's conscience. He's sleeping. I mean, he just got done watching an R-rated movie and it didn't even bother him. Didn't even bother him. He saw people doing things they shouldn't do and things that should be behind closed doors according to the Word of God. It didn't bother him. He still could sleep well and it didn't, it didn't cause him to be upset. He, he was listening to music he knew was wrong and that didn't honor God. He knew that. It didn't bother him. He's fine. 
He's doing some immoral things with people he shouldn't be doing things with, but he don't blush. Doesn't bother him at all. He's running from God. He's disobeying the word of God. He does whatever he wants. He's not convicted. His conscience is clear. But everybody else around him is paying the price now. I'm fine. Leave me alone. It's just about what I'm doing. This is my business. I'm not hurting anybody else. Quit judging me. That's right. It doesn't affect anybody else. Your rebellion doesn't affect anyone but you. But it sure affected those guys on the boat that day. And he may have had a clear conscience even though he was running and rebelling against God. But the fact was it didn't change the fact there were consequences on behalf of God that affected others around him as well. I'm so sick of this. It's my life. I make my own decisions. Nobody else's business. I'm not hurting anybody else. It's my life. Are you kidding me? The Bible even says no man's an island. Nobody lives their life alone. Nobody dies alone. In a sense, we bring people with us. Everywhere we go, everything we do is affecting others. In this case, he's asleep. (laughs) And guess what? He's asleep while they're perishing. And you know, that's what happens to us too. Think about it. When you get in rebellion against God and you're not obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't care who goes to hell. They perish, whatever. I ain't got time to knock on doors. I don't have time to talk to my neighbors. I don't have time to talk to my friends. I don't have time. That's not, that's, I, I can't be doing that. You know, I'm not equipped to do that. I don't have the, the, the patience to do that. I don't have the, the, the talent to do that. I'm not a speaker. You know, I'm one of those. I'm an introvert. I'm not an extrovert and all that stuff. And we've got all the excuses and we convince ourselves we're okay. But the reality is, is this, is that we're in rebellion against God. And when we, come, we, we rebel against God and we make up our mind we're not going to obey the Lord, guess what? We're quite comfortable to sleep while the world goes to hell. You know what what caused Community Baptist Temple to get where it's at, don't you? Is that there was a people that couldn't sleep while the world was going to hell. But if we're not careful, we can fall asleep. The moment you feel that you can sleep and have a clear conscience while the world goes to hell doing nothing about it, there's a reason for that. You ought to ask yourself why. They even cry out, Arise! Arise! Proverbs 6, 9 says, How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Could it be that sometimes we sleep while they perish because we're just downright lazy? Could that be? That's what this is implying here is that the sluggard, he's not very, he doesn't move fast, he's pretty slow. At the uh, Cleveland Zoo, I remember as a family, we went to the zoo and we saw these slugs. I think they're called slugs. Are they sluggers? They even call them sluggers? Sloths, yeah, they, they might as well be sluggards. But they're, they're sloths, that's what they are. That was awesome. They were, they were cool. I mean, they're just, what's, what's the name of that one sloth? Sid, there you go. I knew you guys knew it. You knew it, yeah. It's Madagascar, yeah, right, okay. Isn't that Madagascar? Oh, well, see, you can tell I'm really into all that stuff. So anyway, Ice Age, there he is. Okay, so there, you guys helped me out, okay? I won't ask you about other movies because you'd probably start telling me those too. But anyway, so nonetheless, 
You got that slow. The, the, the thing moves so slow, it's like. And this is no lie. This, this is how he moved. Slow moving. Well, I'd hate to be thought of as a sloth or sluggard. All right, here we go. Number three. Let's move on. Finally, number four. When we run from God, we often will often get another chance. But why not get it right the first time? You, you know, it, it, it seems to me now. Maybe, uh, it seems to me that we've raised a generation with this one message that seems to be almost louder than the rest. God's a God of second chances. 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 Do we know that God gives second chances? We know He does. And the word of the Lord came unto Joshua, uh, Jonah the second time, saying, But wait a second. What did it cost Him? How come we don't emphasize the consequences as much as we emphasize the second chance? That's all I'm wondering. You know, it's so important that our young people understand it costs something to rebel against God's Word. They need to know that. You know, we're so big on making sure everybody feels good about themselves and so that we don't make anybody feel out of place in the youth group or in the singles group or anything, that we don't ever want to be too, too strict about things. We want to make sure everybody, oh no, oh no, God's a God of second chances. Oh no. You know what happens if we're not careful? We give the idea that there's no consequences for mistakes or sin in our life. That it's okay because God will just embrace you anyway. It'll be just like it never happened. It'll be fine. Let me tell you something. It, God will give you second chances, but why not get it right the first time? Why not avoid the hurt, the heartache, the, 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 the sorrow that comes with it? Why not avoid hurting the family, the friends, the relatives and others? Why drag everybody through the muck and mire? Okay, well, you know, I know no matter what I do, God will give me another chance. And I just, you know, right now I just feel like doing some things, living my own life, sowing some wild oats and stuff. And when I'm ready, I'll come back to God. When I'm ready, I'll come back to God. No one's ever said those things, right? So what are we supposed to tell them when we've raised them on a diet of, He's the God of second chances. He's the God of second chances. He's the God of second chances. Why don't we teach them about venereal diseases? Why don't we teach them about pregnancy out of wedlock? And the real, the problem is we're raising our kids for them instead of making them raise them. So then there's no Christ price to pay. They still get to go out and play games while they're being, their kids are being raised by mom and dads again. It's time we start treating young men and young ladies like adults like they're supposed to be and help them a little bit. Teach them some responsibility. Listen, you've you got to understand there are consequences. You go out there, get plastered with drugs and alcohol, you end up in jail, you get to spend the night and get the stuff beat out of you probably. You know? I'm not going to come running down and bail you out all the time. Whatever happened to that spirit? Oh, we're God of second chances. Go ahead, act the fool, do whatever you want, do whatever you want, It'll make it all right. We'll just fix it all for you. No, there are consequences for sin. And, and I think as parents, sometimes we've gotten too, too easy. I tell you what, my kids want to touch a hot stove, I let them touch it. And as soon as they touch it, they won't touch it again. 
Say, burn their finger. So what? If I protect them their whole life, they'll never learn. There's times you've got to get burned. It helps you in life. It's not pleasant, but it is helpful, and it's profitable at times. And again, that's a philosophy I know that went away back in the 1970s and 60s. But it's something that I think we could probably use a little bit of. Jonah here. Jonah. He got a second chance. And you know what? God will give you a second chance too if you've, you've made a mistake along the way. If you've sinned against God, He will give you that second chance. But there's nobody in this room that knows better than you do. That it costs. And I don't want one of these young people to ever think that they can go out and do whatever they want and it ain't going to cost them something. And it's not going to be cheap either. It's going to be expensive. Honey, you get out of church, you get mixed up with boys, you do things you shouldn't do, it's going to cost you. Not just physically, but it'll cost you emotionally and spiritually, and it'll cost you in your mind. Do you realize? Go ahead and have an abortion. Go ahead. It's, I'm telling you, it's okay to do that stuff in our culture. It's, but let me tell you, 20 years from now, 20 years from now, it'll hit you like a ton of bricks. Oh, it may not be, it may not bother you. You'll be okay after the first couple months. You'll probably work through it. You're busy. You've got schooling. You've got this. You've got that. You're doing this. You're doing that. And you kind of work through it. You just kind of just don't have time to deal with the emotional side of it. But it's deep down in there. And 20 years from now, bam, it hits you like a ton of bricks. I've seen it over and over and over again. I've watched them sit in front of me, having immoral relationships growing up in their lives, sit across from my desk and say, 20 years ago, I was very loose and I was not the kind of Christian I ought to have been, and it cost me. And boy, they break down in tears, all because of those things. Oh, it didn't cost It's okay. God's got a second chances. Let me tell you, they're still bearing the burden of it, and often they're still worrying and feeling the weight of it. And it's time to get relief, yes, by asking forgiveness, moving forward. Without a doubt, you don't have to bear the burden or the shame anymore. God will forgive you if you can forgive yourself. But that's the big if, if you can forgive yourself. And that's how it usually ends up. God, help us not to lead these young people astray on this. Let's not give them a false sense of security when it comes to sin. Man, let them know. If you, 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 just, you don't have to be gory details. Please don't do that. Don't glorify sin. But just, just let them know. God will love you no matter what you do. He's unconditional love. But don't you ever think for a moment it ain't going to cost you greatly. And sometimes, depending on the kid, depending on the circumstance, situation, you've got to get a little bit more serious about it. You've got to help them understand it. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't want to see one of you young men and ladies turn around and go out in that world and get burnt. I'll learn from this guy. Don't run from God. Draw nigh to God. It's going to cost you if you try to run. Oh, it'll seem pleasure for sin in a season, yes. But it'll catch up to you real fast. Good intentions? Little puppy's going to blow his head off. Bad results. <laughs> I, I Get that thing and throw it. Get rid of it, man. Get rid of that dynamite. Just get rid of it. That way nobody gets hurt. Little boy sitting in the corner. You see in there? Is that a girl? That's one or the other. You may choose your sin, but you cannot choose the consequences. Boy, that's a good thought, isn't it? Jonah. Jonah's great mistake was that he ran from God and he miscalculated God's reach. You know, when it's all said and done, you can run, but you can't hide from God. And you know what? I can't either. Hey, look, I've tried. More than, I need to, more than I'd like to admit. 
Sometimes big, sometimes really little runs. They haven't all been marathons. Some have been little sprints away from God. But you know what? Can't get away from Him. Just can't get away. His reach is too far. And if you're His, you won't be able to get away either. You won't. So don't try. Just draw nigh to Him. And He'll draw nigh to you. Father, we come to You. We thank You again for this time we've had in the Word. This is a simple, simple, basic truths. But we try to be real with some things. Lord, I, I don't mean to be too graphic, but Lord, I certainly want our young people to understand the severity of sin. Lord, I, I want us as adults to be reminded of sin and how horrible it can be in our lives and why many of us have turned our heart to You because we saw that we were headed nowhere without You. Lord, may we not be so arrogant, prideful, ignorant, forgetful to once again try to run from You. Help us just to run toward You to draw nigh to you.